It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Love Tennis Podcast with me, James Gray, and George Belshaw of Metro.co.uk. There's a British victory to celebrate. I didn't think I'd be saying that on this podcast for a while. It's it's Kyle Edmund. He's only blooming gone and done it. Kyle Edmund has won his first ATP Tour title in Antwerp. It, I mean... I always think Gael Monfils is a dream opponent for your first tour final, isn't it? Funnily uh, enough, you say that, Monfils, by losing that match, uh, became statistically the worst player ever to play in finals. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't remotely surprise <laughs> me. Win ratio of 25%. And funnily enough, he's never won more than one title in a calendar year, which for a guy who got to world number six slightly surprises me. I mean, that's his consistency must have been inconsistent or his inconsistency was consistent. That's completely remarkable, but as I say, not surprising because he's a just he just throws the game all over the place and doesn't really know what's going on half the time. But he didn't play badly. He played a very good match, you know, the second and third sets were good tiebreak sets and Carl Edmund just turned up to the biggest moments better and you know, I'm absolutely chuffed for Edmund. What I'm less chuffed about is that uh, it was pretty difficult to watch in this country. It obviously wasn't really being aired anywhere. I actually found it um, on a Belgian TV stream. That wow. They have a Belgian website yeah. that, that the broadcasters were putting it online and they hadn't geo-blocked it for the UK. Okay. So I, I had a good... Um, how, how is your Flemish? Is it... uh, <laughs> not great. Yeah, okay. not great. So but... the commentary was just basically gibberish to you. Yeah. It's I... good. It means you can form your own opinion, George. I know you struggle with that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> often... And too easily influenced. Um, yeah. But I thought he was great, Kyle. Um, obviously, didn't get off to the fastest start, but um... yeah, he dropped the. Fir- I mean, let's be honest. That actually, when you look at his run through that tournament, uh, he didn't actually have to play much tennis. You know, beat Ramos Vinolas for two games, and then yeah, had a withdrawal. He beat Gasquet, which I always feel like just doesn't even count anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like he must have come in a little bit cold actually to that final, and that showed in that first set really. Yeah, I thought Monfils was playing a pretty good level. Um, and to be honest, like the second set, Kyle 
dug in a little bit at the start, got his then kind of kept his level up on serve. And it was only really in that second set tie break where I suddenly thought, right, Kyle's in with a shout here. I was kind of mm-hmm. thinking it was inevitable he was going to lose. And at the start of the third set, he was down a couple of breaks, uh, break points at the start, um, his first game, I believe. And then from that point, he was just strong on serve, strong behind that forehand, dealing with the defensive, you know, with his backhand. Monfils can run like the wind and just constantly, to be honest. And mm-hmm. Edmund was, you know, really, really consistent and good at putting him away as well. So really encouraging the tie breaks. He was comfortably the best player. Uh, in both of those, as the scores reflect. Um, yeah, I'm just delighted for him. And particularly when you compare his first tour final, which was earlier this year, and it's world number 325, Pablo Andujar, whatever his ranking was then, you know, and he lost that two and two. And you were kind of thinking, right, is Edmund, does he have the mentality for this? Is this, is this, this? a block? Yeah, is exactly. this something that actually he struggles with? I mean, I think I don't think you can underestimate the role of Freddie Rosengren in all that. No. I think he is one of the better coaches around and seems to have formed a really good bond with Carl. I mean, he's, I don't know his track record that well, but uh, he seems like a kind of guy who the mental side is as important as the physical side for him. Yeah, there's belief, there's belief in Kyle this year. And what I really, really liked um, at the end of the match was just how he kind of broke down in tears completely. Like, you could, he's not the most... Uh, charismatic or no he's not very effusive warm guy sometimes he can be a bit standoffish or not really show too much either way and you kind of got the feeling with him it was like he didn't really care about losing in the quarterfinals every week he kind of just views it as you know his job is going out to do but we actually saw a really human side of Kyle Edmund like we saw with Andy Murray when he uh, cried after losing to Federer at Wimbledon Mm. that I think will kind of really warm him to the British public. It's just a shame it wasn't on a bigger stage, I suppose, in many ways. Um, but yeah, he good. he was very emotional. You know, he dropped to his <clears> knees and then he broke down. Well, he didn't quite break down in the interview. It was choking. And actually, <laughs> someone pointed out to me he sounded a lot like Andy Murray, <laughs> an English version thereof. Uh, and it's great that actually, with Andy out struggling with injury, that we have got someone else, you know, stepping up into the void. Uh, he's now, I think, in Vienna for the tournament there. He could find himself not quite in the top 10, but I think he could be knocking on the door of a top 10 finish to the year, which would be quite remarkable. Still in with an outside shot of making the ATP finals. I mean, doesn't he have to win outside. everything? He needs, a, he needs to realistically win this this week and then, go very deep in Paris. Right. But you never know. He's playing very well. And also, we know how many pullouts you get. ATP well, quite. So Del Potro's already gone. Yeah. So, so you, you will who always... knows. Rafa, it's worth being an alternate there. I think. Yeah. You... Yeah. And Not also, it's, the money. It's, look for the money and also for the hitting. You know, I think it was Kevin Anderson was an alternate last year, and he hit with almost everyone. Um. The other, it was it was Sam Query, I think, and it was Karina Booster. Karina Booster got and in. Played. Karina Booster got was, in. I think it was Query, not Anderson. Yeah, you're right. It was Query. I mean, you know what I think of big servers who are tall. <laughs> they just all look the same to me. Although that's, that's unfair of Kevin Anderson, who I desperately like. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Query because I remember him hitting with Federer. Uh, yeah, I think Edmonds had. He's obviously had a massive year, and in terms of breakthrough years, it's been absolutely enormous for him from a mental perspective because he's been winning Grand Slam matches. Obviously, he went deep in the Australian Open. He got over Wimbledon and did some damage there. You know, there's nothing he can think of now where he's like, oh, I've not really done that before. I've not really, you know, other than win a blooming Grand Slam. He 
there's not much he can say, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing in this situation. It's hugely positive. Yeah, and I, I have to admit, I thought he really overachieved at the Australian Open uh, well, of in course, terms of a yeah. semi-final. But now I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, right, there's no reason this guy couldn't become a regular Grand Slam semi-finalist. He's world number 14. He should be getting to Grand Slam semi-finals. Uh, he's going to have a much easier path when it comes to the Australian Open this time around as well. You know, with a half-decent seating, he could actually... He, he should be in the third round. He should be in the fourth round. When you consider he's had the kind of illness problems he's had throughout this year and two little spells of like a month where he was struggling and his results dipped, if he hadn't have had those physical problems, you know, we could very easily be saying this guy's in the top ten. And I kind of feel like if everything stays okay with him physically, everything stays okay with him and his team, he's in such a good place right now that we should expect Kyle Edmonds to be top ten, certainly by this time next year, but possibly even before. He looks like a top ten player, doesn't Does, he? The he's, way he's playing so well at the minute, and he's my expectations of him have shifted so dramatically this year that I've halved the number I expect him to reach of top ten to top five. And who knows in terms of Grand Slam results? He's going to be a very, very good player, and I'm really happy for him. Carl Edmund, of course, not the only first-time tour winner this weekend. Stefanos Tsitsipas beat Ernst Gulbis in straight sets in Stockholm. Another massive up-and-coming star has had a huge 2018. I'd like to say that earlier we spoke to SDNA.gr journalist Vicky Georgiatou. She's basically Greece's only tennis journalist. And I'm delighted to say that George and I had a conversation with her earlier. Thank you very much for joining us. Why don't you first tell us how important this first title for Stefanos Tsitsipas is? I think it's important for Greek tennis in general, not only for Stefan Stisipas, because I think the sport in Greece needed a title so that people would get more interested, you know, uh, because uh, all the people here are mainly interested in uh, football and basketball, so maybe they will start watching tennis now after seeing that uh, we have a guy, a top guy, let's say. But for Stefan, of course, it's uh, very important. He was chasing it. I mean, his main goal this year was an ATP title. So he managed to do it. It's really important, yeah. How how well known is Sissi Pass in Greece? And, you know, how widely spread was this news? Have you noticed more and more people kind of jumping on the Sissi Pass bandwagon? Yeah, you know, I don't think people knew him at the beginning of the year, maybe. Not many people. But uh, after playing the final against uh, Nadal in uh, Barcelona, uh, people started noticing him. And uh, maybe after the fourth round at uh, Wimbledon, although I don't think that uh, the fans here uh, understood how important it was, you know, uh, reaching the fourth round, 20-year-old boy. And, uh, but I think the boost was given when he, pay, when he played the Nadal in Toronto because it was a period there was not, no football in Greece, uh, summer holidays, and everybody was watching tennis, actually. I mean, you would go out and go to the beach and hear people uh, talking about his tennis, about his serve, about his forehand. Suddenly people uh, uh, started watching tennis. Yesterday, to be honest, because it was a football day, uh, I don't think that it, uh, people watched it that much, you know, because it was a, a football day with the big football matches in Greece. Um, tell me about the, the match itself. What did you make of his performance? And, I mean, were you always expecting him to overcome Gilbis relatively easily? Uh, no, I mean, 
I think he has matured a lot the last, uh, maybe since last year, since his first uh, victory, actually, against Kasanov last, last year in uh, Shanghai. I think he's, he has matured a lot. Uh, I expected him to win, to be honest. Uh, but because of uh, Gulbis, you know, his record at finals and uh, the way he plays, maybe he's unpredictable sometimes. I didn't expect him to to win that easily. Uh, but I think, yeah, I, I expected him to win. But his performance for me was uh, really uh, mature yesterday. You mentioned he's matured there. Um, mm-hmm. his, his character off the court is quite interesting. And there's a lot of talk mm-hmm. about, you know, him making all these YouTube videos and being kind yeah. of quite a, a philosophical guy. Um I was just wondering, you, you know him quite well, obviously, and presumably mm-hmm. conversing Greece, Greek more often. Um, I was just wondering what, what you make of his personality off the court, what you think of him as a guy, and you know his family as well a little bit, right, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's a really nice boy. I mean, uh, he's really kind, uh, really nice, and he has, I mean, he's different uh, than other boys at his age, I think. I mean, he's uh, interested in culture. When he visits, visits a country, he wants to know things about the country. And that's why you see him with all the YouTube videos and the uh, photographs. And um, about his family, uh, it's kind of quite funny, actually, because, you know, his father is a tennis coach. His mother used to be uh, a tennis player. So, you know, sometimes <laughs> there's a contradiction there. Uh, they don't sit together sometimes because, uh, you know, they both talk to Stefanos and uh, they fight sometimes. <laughs> so yesterday I saw them sitting together, so it was nice to see <laughs> them at last. <laughs> That's really interesting because I was reading something yeah. earlier about his um, his backhand growing up and how he used to play with a, a two-handed backhand as well as a one-handed backhand and they were kind of trying to work out you know which one to use best for him and the, the, it sounded like the approach no. they made in the end was just let him choose what he expresses himself um yeah with... his, his his father has told me that he chose to play with the one hand and actually the whole family i mean he has three siblings and they all play with one hand <laughs> even the girls he obviously moved to the muratoglu academy uh mm-hmm. how important was that for his career do you think if he had stayed in greece and only trained in greece that Actually, he he wouldn't have been able to reach the levels he has now. Yeah, I think it would be much uh, tougher if he stayed here. Uh, probably, I mean, every Greek player needs to go somewhere else to another to acad- an academy like Sakari did mm. at the beginning of her career. She went to Spain, and uh, I think yeah, the Muratoglu Academy helped him a lot. But his father remains, you know, the the head coach. But when he goes to big tournaments, he has uh, two or three people from the Muratoglu Academy with him. And mm. he also uh, goes uh, to France for training. And uh, his father told me in the summer that uh, they were thinking of uh, moving uh, to France so that he could be closer to the academy. Tell me, in terms of the level you think he can achieve, you know, this is his first title, mm-hmm. obviously. How far do you think he can go? Is he a, a Grand Slam winner? Is he a multiple Grand Slam winner? Has he got the type of game that will succeed in that? Well, I'm Greek, so <laughs> <laughs> I will say that <laughs> I think that uh, he could be number one in the world. Hmm. And uh, I don't know about multiple Grand Slam titles, but I think 
for sure that he will win a Grand Slam title. That's that's what I think. I mean, I was uh, impressed by him from the first time I saw him when he was like 15 years old. When I saw him, I said this guy will go far. Mm. I didn't expect him to do it that uh, that early, you know, mm. like this year. And but uh, yeah, I think he will reach the top. And you say he'll win one Grand Slam title. If you had to say which Grand Slam that would be, mm-hmm. which one mm-hmm. would you predict right now? Mm, I would say Wimbledon, probably. He likes it a lot. I think he's, uh, it, it suits his game, grass. So maybe. He loves diving around, that's for sure. He's like a new <laughs> yeah. Boris Becker, but with a look like Borg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just to return to to tennis in Greece, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. not a country we we know for for tennis success necessarily. I mean, have you ever known really anyone who could get close to this level in Greece at all, or is this is this new territory for Greek tennis? No, of course it's new. It's completely new. I mean, no. Uh, Dani Lilu was, uh, if we would talk about Greek uh, women's tennis, mm. she was really good. I mean, uh, number 14 in the world. But uh, if we talk about men, uh, Stefanos is the first guy in the top 100. Mm. So it's it's new. And it's the first time, I think, that uh, people here are actually uh, into tennis, you know. Okay, they were watching finals and everything like Grand Slam finals and Federer and Nadal or maybe McEnroe and Lendl and everything. But uh, right now, um, everybody knows Tsitsipas mm. here. And everybody knows, is beginning to know about, uh, talk about ATP tournaments and uh, Masters tournaments. They didn't know anything about it, mm. you know. Only people that like tennis. But now... Uh, media is talking about uh, Stefanos all the time. I mean, yesterday, um, not only sports websites, but all websites uh, had uh, articles about him. And uh, the the website I'm working for it was the top article for a couple of hours. It's on the way up. Uh, mm-hmm. Brilliant, Vicky. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a real pleasure, and we'll uh, well we'll see you see you soon, no doubt. Award award. That's right, it's award season, as Father Jack knows too well. Firstly, there's no award for George, who did his voting in the WTO awards, uh, as we discussed on the last pod. And George, it appears you are the taste master of the WTA Journalist Awards, because they all went with your vote. Perhaps I was the only one who voted. <laughs> Let's not rule it out. <laughs> They're all far too busy with other things. Uh, yes, uh, I mean, no real surprise. I mean, obviously no surprise to you, because you picked them. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean realistically i thought one or two of them were possible each ways but realistically probably I thought, the, probably the doubles pair of the year might have been a little bit of shot in the dark yeah but... you know matic sands against serena but realistically serena was always gonna win that in terms of status so exactly no major surprise more awards though fortunately father jack kept happy by the fact we now the atp awards mm. coming up i like that on the list the first thing they list is the atp world tour number one which is the player who ends the year, it explains, as world number one, the ATP. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Cheers. Didn't quite work out what that was going to be. Yep. Not entirely obvious, I suppose. Well, I guess uh, WTA's approach was to vote on the best player of the year, which could easily have not have been Halep. Um, yes. So yes. I think maybe it makes more sense for it to go to the world number one. Um, yeah. Well, let's run through them. Comeback yeah. player of the year, most improved player of the year, newcomer of the year, and then the Stefan Edberg Sportsmanship of the Year Award. There's also uh, a Coach of the Year and an Arthur Ashe Humanitarian Award. Coach of the Year is Leani, right? 
Uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, that's a sort of joke, isn't it? I need to get. You, <laughs> yeah, I, you looked away. I have a, I have a sign. Uh, sometimes that I lend to Brian Moore, my radio co-host. The, the joke. And so he puts the sign up, and I know there's a joke coming. So you know to laugh. Exactly. So I know yeah. not to leave. I'm sure everyone at home was really giggling at that. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, let's start with comeback player of the year. The nominees are Djokovic, Jason Kubler, John Millman, and Kei Nishikori. I think I know who's going to win this. Yeah. Realistically, Novak's going to walk it. You'd have thought so. I mean, when you consider that at the beginning of the year, he basically, you know, he was hardly getting through early matches of the Australian Open. Looked like he had to have, he did have to have surgery again, of course. Yeah. Uh, quite remarkable what he's achieved since. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, six wins for six losses um, mm. by about March. And yeah. when you consider he won three of those matches right at the start of the year in Australia, that kind of shows just how bad that run of form was um, for Novak. I think it's been remarkable. Uh, a remarkable few months, really. Went to look at where he was back in April and to think this guy is going to end the year as world number one, as I've said you know, over the last couple of weeks, that's widely what's expected now. Mm. Um, probably going to become the first man who dipped outside the top 20 in a season and ended it as world number one. Um, so this this doesn't happen very often. No. I would give a quick hat tip to Kane Ishikori because, um, you know, <laughs> when we look at where a guy's come from and he is now, uh, he lost a challenger match in his first match of the season. Um, had a lot of wrist problems and he's you know he's had a phenomenal year since kind of some early struggles he's um, reached a he reached a clay final he's pushed guys really hard he get, had a good match with Federer um, Shanghai last week his levels improved dramatically and he could reach the ATP finals which in itself would be a really really strong effort from him uh, and also, just to mention, Jason Kubler is probably not a name many people have heard before. He's a former world junior number one, uh, won a lot on the Challenger and a bit on the uh, Future and the Challengers tour, and then had a series of knee injuries, dipped down to about world number 500, and is now back inside the world top 100. Uh, got through to the second round. He beat uh, Roberto Batista Aju at the US Open, of course, so... Uh, he won't win it, but I think quite remarkable to remember what he's been through. And big old John Millman as well, another yeah. with injuries. And we don't need to say that we've written off that man on this show before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was that was an unfortunate moment. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for Djokovic Federer. It's going to be amazing. Millman pops up with a win out of nowhere. Yeah, and of course he he doesn't he have an office job or or had an office job for a long time. He's. He's dipped in and out of loads of things, and he plays kind of like a German league thing um, quite often in the summers because is, he's... is it badminton? <laughs> <laughs> just he just kind of sacked in, um, but that you know his uh, string of injury problems has been remarkable, and you know he's obviously peaked by reaching uh, Grand Slam quarterfinal, which is great for him. Yeah. Uh, so Djokovic, I think we both agreed that's really likely to be. Uh to be the only one you can choose there most improved player of the year some would argue Djokovic <laughs> uh, but the, the nominees are Marco Kekinato, Alex de Manoa, Carl Edmund and Stefano Tsitsipas now there could be some recency bias here because Edmund and Tsitsipas have both won very conveniently mm. their first titles just before the voting I mean Alex de Manoa is a guy I watched a fair bit at Wimbledon this year Really impressed with his game. You know, he's not a big guy, but he's whippy and actually hits the ball extremely hard. Who, who's your pick here? 
Sissy Pass, I think. He was playing challenges at the start of the year and then he just seems to me have kind of improved week by week. Um, a run to the Masters 1000 final um, in Toronto. She mm. lost to Rafa. Yeah. Also lost to Rafa in Barcelona. Um, fourth round of Wimbledon. Um, still again, like Edmund, in with a kind of very, very, very long shot of reaching the ATP finals. But, you know, while Edmund, it was perhaps conceivable... Or not beyond the realms of possibility, he could have done that. For Sissy Pass to be there, you never would have had him down at the start of the year. So he's, uh, I think, the clear favourite to win. I mean, that two as years well. ago, he was a nobody. I mean, ab- absolute nobody, I think that's fair to say. So, yeah, quite remarkable. And yeah, that first uh, that first title, I mean, great, great time to break through as well. Cause it sort yep. of gives you, it gives you something to work with over the winter. I mean, I know he's now got the Swiss indoors, that great tournament. But, um,. I have specific thoughts about the Swiss indoors, including lifetime contracts. We can get there later. Who can? <laughs> but I can't get too angry about it. Uh, newcomer of the year is a bit like a bit like most improved of the year. So uh, the the stipulations are first top one hundred appearance as of October fifteenth. I made the biggest impact on the world tour this season. This is going to be tough because. I don't know everyone here. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm going to struggle to pronounce one of them. Alex de Manure, Ugo Humbert, who I know only because he's Ugo the best name. <laughs> yeah, but if you say it in French, it's not as funny. Uh, <laughs> and then there's Hubert Hercatch, uh, Michael Mo, yeah. and uh, Jaume Munar. Yeah. Uh, George, you're a bit of a genius when it comes to picking award winners. Who's going to win this one? I mean, I would vote for Manor because I really like Tennessee plays. But yeah, I, I, Di Manor for me as well. Um, you know, the other guys have had some decent results and performances. I remember watching uh, Jaume Manor um, at the French Open. He met Djokovic in one of the earlier rounds um, after a big win. Mm. Um, I think over David Ferrer, if I'm right in thinking that. Well, that doesn't in count five. then, does it? Um, but it was quite a big win at the time, and he's someone who's worked at Nadal's academy. Um, Humbert obviously has done very well to get inside the top hundred, but that was quite late in the year he got there. Munar, by the way, beat Bemelmans in five sets. Oh, it's Bemelmans at the US. Oh, US, and then took a set off Schwartzman, but then lost. What about the French? Oh, I'm just getting to the French. He's play, <laughs> he's play, I can tell you, he's played a lot of tournaments this year. Yeah. As I scroll through his profile, including. Um, Losing in the qualifiers 10-8 in the third set. He was top seed in Wimbledon qualifiers. He lost 10-8 in the third set to an Argentinian who I'm uh, not completely familiar with. Uh, let me see. French Open, he beat David Ferrer. Oh, yeah, from two from two sets down as well. Yeah. But to be fair, if you get to a third set with David Ferrer, that's when he's really weak. Certainly <laughs> <laughs> is these days. I mean, Dimonor of those guys, I believe, is the only one inside the top 50, yeah. I would guess. Um, not knowing their rankings to hand. I think the other guys are all kind of in and around 70 to 100. Um, yeah, Michael Mo is 103. Uh, oh, so he's is 79 off the top of my head, but yeah. So, I, you know, Dimonor's the guy who's caught into the top 100 and really made the most of it. So I think he's yeah. the kind of standout winner there as well and and you love him so i do i really do i really although i got really hot i think i almost got heat stroke watching at one point <laughs> which was a bit of a mistake and then finally the stefan edberg sportsmanship award for the player who i love the little descriptions it's like being at prize day like actually the, yeah, the boy who throughout the year conducts himself the best in maths and science no the highest level of professionalism and integrity 
who competed with his fellow players with the utmost spirit of fairness and who promoted the game through his off-court activities. The nominees are Nick Kyrgios. No. <laughs> Kevin Anderson. <laughs> joke, that one. That's a, yeah, joke Sorry, sign. I needed a joke sign. <laughs> Kevin Anderson, Juan Martín del Potro, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. I've, I mean, we both, well, I think I fell in love with Kevin Anderson. You just like him. But Kevin Anderson went to a Jack Johnson tournament during Wimbledon. A tournament, a Jack Johnson concert. <laughs> he went Jack to a tournament Johnson with Jack Johnson impersonators. And I tell you what, <laughs> he was brilliant. No, he's he's a wonderful bloke. Uh, I think everyone's been really impressed with him. Will he, will he win it though? He better win it. <laughs> he better win it. Uh, this what is are you the award about? I'm most invested in. <laughs> You're most invested in? <laughs> Why? Um, well, just because Big Kev needs just something. Just because... Uh, this award has a bit of a history of being the let's uh, let's give Roger something. Uh, well, yeah, because I mean, neither I, of them are nominated for anything else. No, and Kevin Anderson, I can think of uh, multiple instances of things that have impressed me this year in terms of him being just a very, very, very good bloke. Um, one of them, he was very, very vocal on the kind of plastic at Wimbledon this year, which I thought was really good of him. He was yeah. guy, kind of the guy leading that. Um, so, you know, just for the sake of let's hoping the planet doesn't blow up anytime soon, Kevin Anderson seems to be taking the lead there. <laughs> Planet's gone, mate. <laughs> Not even Kevin Anderson could save us now. Um, then the other instance that really stands out for me um, was Denis Shapovalov praising him after their US Open match. Um, really, really nice quotes from Denis to A, say this and kind of bring this up because I think a lot of people would miss it if uh, if we didn't hear from other guys praising him because Kevin's a very modest guy and would never kind of come out and say any of these things but uh, Dennis basically said that um, Kevin had a kind of injury problem and he waited for the physio uh, longer than he needed to so he didn't disrupt the Shapovalov serve or yeah. it was something along those lines of where he didn't and actually I think him. he's got pre- he's got done that he's, a couple of times he's done that a few times and uh I can't remember the exact context, but I know there was another player even within the last few weeks who said something about his kind of on-court match play. He's he's in, an incredibly fair guy, um, and he's had a great year as well. So I know he's not up for any of the other great years or was great two years, but um, I I think he's a really 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 fantastic guy, and I'll be dis- very disappointed for him if he doesn't win this, and I will be stating that case very strongly in an article if he doesn't so <laughs> oh um... oh gosh <laughs> you have been warned. hold everyone back george is gonna write an article good lord the atp committee will be trembling in their boots do you uh, agree would you yeah i i i think he has been sort of notable and you know we know juan martin del potro is a, a really nice bloke but yeah. Also, he is quite a grumpy bloke at times, <laughs> you know, on court. He, he, I think occasionally I've seen him this year and he has been quite grumpy. We know uh, Kevin Anderson's impressed everyone. You know, he won so many fans at Wimbledon, obviously. Uh, I think much as, yeah, Roger and Rafa are always doing good things and we almost come to expect it now. I know Rafa obviously did a lot with uh, during the Mallorca floods. Yeah. He obviously, great stuff. We talk about timing. That might have <laughs> yeah. swung it his way a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well done. Nice one, Rafa. <laughs> Opportunism as usual. <laughs> he was only thinking about that ATP award. <laughs> the self-centered only bloke. reason he opened his entire tennis academy to victims of flooding. He's like, you know what? That Stefan Edberg award's got my name written all over it. Uh, yeah, so it would be great for Kevin Anderson to get that opportunity just just to be recognised a bit more than he has already been. Yeah, and those two guys win 
bloody everything constantly. So let, yeah, let's move it's not over. fair. Come Roger on. and Rafa, stop winning things so yeah. Big Kev can get a trophy. Come on. And not just one for the longest, most boring match you've ever seen. <laughs> on to the Swiss indoors. My favourite tournament, not. Anyone who signs a lifetime contract to play anything, anything that involves a lifetime contract, I'm deeply suspicious of. It's just not what it means. So, uh, when will Roger Federer pick up this trophy exactly? <laughs> uh, Sunday, I assume. If his form has not declined so dramatically that uh, he can't win it, I suppose. Okay. But, I mean, look, this is a tournament. I believe I'm right in saying he's never not reached the final in. Um, so, you know, we're talking about is this guy declining? If he doesn't do it here, then we can start. That's right. That's, that's, like, that's the, like the biggest The harbinger yet. of Federer doom <laughs> is when he doesn't win the Swiss indoors. Yeah. yeah, you just wait until he crashes out to Jan Leonard Struth in the second round in a three-hour three-setter. It's ridiculous. Uh, he's got a good sort of hand injury, is that right? Yeah, so... Quite an interesting interview um, with the Swiss media this week. He says he picked up a hand injury um, back in Stuttgart in okay. practice. And, of course, that did coincide with some difficult form yeah. for him. Um, you know, throughout Halle, we were all talking about Federer looks really grumpy, looks really angry. Another reason he shouldn't be up for that Sportsman Award. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he obviously lost to Chorich in the final. Then at Wimbledon lost to Anderson in the quarterfinals and you're kind of thinking oh is this an age thing but it seems to be Federer suggesting that the hand was causing him more grief than anyone kind of realised um, saying particularly on the forehand side I mean I can't really remember looking at his forehand and thinking oh this looks terrible today but that, that you know I presume we're talking relatively fine margins mm. um, and kind of said it just about got right by the US Open I think he was saying Sure. Um, so That's Federer shouldn't be injured again. now Okay. I think he was just looking back. Um, so, should be fine. Okay. Um, so, if he loses this week, we can put it down to age as we were before. I mean, he has, as you say, got a, just a ludicrous easy draw, right? Like, quarterfinal Jack Sock. Well, not Jack Sock. Yeah. Jack Sock's the fifth seed, technically, but it's so bad at single tennis that it's not really relevant. Mm. Gulbis, maybe. Yeah, playing well enough. Maybe Medvedev in the semis. Yeah. Or City Pass, as we mentioned. But yeah, I, I think Zverev is probably in the really final. Well. So yeah, or Chilich. Okay, Chilich and Zverev both in the bottom half, which is probably the, the easiest draw he can get. I mean, is it? Do we really care about Swiss indoors? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, not from like obviously we care about it, but from a perspective of if he wins it or if he doesn't, other than maybe it's an indicator he's struggling a bit. Like it's just it's his favorite tournament, it's his favorite conditions. I don't really see what difference it makes to anyone. Well, if he does win it. He'll become the first man to win nine or more titles at a single event on two different surfaces. God, that is fascinating. God, have you got anything? <laughs> have you got any other really interesting statistics? So, breaking it down off the top of my head, what's the other one? The nine plus Halla. Halla. Yeah. So Nadal's obviously got eleven on three clay tournaments, but, but n- never Federer's got a grass and an indoor hard if he wins this. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I think that's that's an interesting comparison looking at them how good they are on different Don't know types what of surface, I don't know what new that tells us George. Oh, Rafa's really good on clay, Roger's really good on more than one other surface. Yeah. I mean it just I suppose it paints quite a nice picture of their careers in many ways. Yeah. But yeah, sure. I mean that is not the most interesting stat to be honest, but 
Great note to finish on. Not the most interesting <laughs> stat. Uh, we this is what we pride ourselves on at Love Tennis Podcast is not the most interesting stories. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure. We probably should just say as well that we're not completely ignoring the WTA finals. No, uh, we are not. Obviously, kicking off this week, uh, but. George is going to Columbia tomorrow to celebrate my sister's 21st birthday. Happy birthday, Elizabeth. Miss it or miss out. Uh, so I'm going to be joined by Roz Satar, of course, Britwatch Sports correspondent, who's in Singapore. She will be getting off the plane to uh, join us and, and discuss the WCA finals. Literally length. stepping off the plane. Yeah, no, she, she, she is coming. Yeah, I'm straight here. Next claim Tuesday. she won't be jet lagged. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll be amazed. We'll probably won't see it. Yeah, exactly. Or hear it. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe so... on radio you can't sound so jet lagged. Yeah, so that that's obviously we're not ignoring that. It's we're just going to go very in depth on that oh, next yeah. week. Oh, we're going to go. It's going to so be big. With Roz is going to give you so much great insight. Roz is going to have all of the inside scoops from Singapore uh, and no jet lag. Yeah, and you don't have to listen to me for a week. <laughs> well, nice. no, we'll get you on the phone, George. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not getting away from it just because no, no, you're no, in no, Colombia. No, no, no. That's not an excuse. But I mean, you don't need to listen to me for the entire half an hour or whatever it is. No. We... People seem to very people really like your voice, George. Yeah, it's your low dulcet tones. Oh. Thank you. Compared to my high nasal ones. Ooh. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you very much, George, for coming in. Uh, this has been the Love Tennis Podcast, and we'll see you in a week. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.